Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. Hey, good morning, PCC. Oh, you've had enough time for coffee. Come on now. Hey, good morning, everybody. Kids, it's really good to see you as well this morning. Hey, uh, we have been in this series on His Great Love and been walking through 1 John, and we're going to look at 1 John 4, 7 through 20 today. But also today, I need you to do a little bit of a journey with me. So I need you to go back to 1994. Um, immediately, some of you are like, oh, the greatest Disney movie ever made was that year. And you'll find out here in a second because we are going to go there. But also 1994 was my freshman year of high school. And uh, don't laugh, okay? But in 1994, freshman Danny had a couple things going on that, um, well, they're actually some of the same things that are going on with you today. So high schoolers, if you have the new notes that Johnny and Hannah, our students have that are put out, um, if you put anything rude about 1994, your parents and I are roughly the same age. So just be careful. They're looking at you as well. But 1994, I would wake up and I would grab a mirror. I wouldn't grab a mirror. I'd look at a mirror just like we are and And would look at it. And I would look at it in the morning and go, I have no clue what's going to happen. I have no clue who I am. I have no clue where I'm going to fit in, who I'm going to connect with, what's going to, like, what's my day going to be about? And this mirror was a bit of a wrestle. Because, see, freshman Danny really worried about his identity. Really worried about where he belonged and really worried about his purpose. See, within me... There was a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of turmoil happening because my identity, my belonging, my purpose were all out of whack. And today, looking at 1 John 4, 7, we're going to pick up where Brian left off last week about the lies that we often believe because we don't believe the Holy Spirit. We believe the spirit of the world. And we're going to look at how John actually calls a body of believers to think about their identity, their belonging, their purpose. Now, 1 John is a letter written to a, a church body. It's not written to the outside world. It's written to those that say, I believe in who Jesus is. And in looking at it today, one of the tensions we have with Western thought is we often want individuality to be king. But in the kingdom of Jesus, communal life is what's important. We matters more than I. When you look at the kingdom of Jesus, we matters more than I. And so often we have to drop that filter. So I'm asking you to think about dropping that today. So if you've got your Bibles or your Bible app, go to 1 John 4. We're going to start in verse 7. I'm going to be reading out of the English Standard Version. Natalie read out of the NIV. Both are great, but there's a couple key words that we're going to camp on throughout the morning. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved. Okay, stop. I know we're going to get really far on this text today. Go on that for your NIV probably reads, dear friends. That's what Natalie read. Mine says, beloved. Both are the same context, but in the Greek word, the, the Greek, the word is agape teo. Agape teo. And it literally means divine anointment. When you think about this term of beloved, it's a term of endearment. When John writes, dear friends, it's really deep compassion. And it's this label that says, look, you're beloved because of your relationship with Christ. When you think about what Jesus is doing in you, you can declare this term beloved over yourself and over others. Go back to the text, 1 John 4, 7. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God. 
See, this term love after beloved is this unending, reciprocal, always ending agape love. You may, if you've been around faith environments, heard that before. But this agape love is this love that never ceases, never ends, never stops. And it's actually the visual that often we've been using here about the bucket. See, we've been asking you to go to the well and fill your bucket, allow your bucket to be filled by the Holy Spirit so that what you're filled with, you can give out. And so when we think about this idea that we are beloved, we're divinely labeled, and we also have this relationship with one another, we have one thing to do, and that's to love one another. First John 4, 8, John writes, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Um, in Greek, it's really unique. Uh, for those of you English people that are great, I work really hard at my languages because it's really difficult. But there's a unique thing that John does with this word. The article sits on God, not his love. So they're actually not synon- or synchronous. It's better read this way. God as to his nature is love. Or you could say it another way, it is God's nature to love. So the reason that we love and we ought to love is because we've been loved. Let's keep going. In this, the love of God was made manifest or made known among us, that God sent his son. Notice what happened. There's plural there, sent us. God started it. Sent us, his son, into the world so that we, plural, might live through him. And this is love, not that we, plural, have loved God, but that he loved us, plural, and sent his son to be the propitiation, big word, another word may be used as atonement for our sins. See, when we talk about this relationship with Jesus, we're talking about the fact that God loved us first as we are, to send his son to redeem us, to forgive us, to atone for our sins. Because of why? Because of love. And when we are loved that way, we are forgiven so that we know how to now love. When we've received it, we know how to give. Verse 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. We love because we were first love. Our natural response is that. See, John's really reminding his audience that we love full stop. And again, he's writing to a church. Now, if you're with us online or with us in the auditorium or with us on the lawn, um, some of you are just dying because maybe your historical memory of Disney movies isn't that great. But 1994, let's go back to freshman year Danny. Freshman year Danny standing in front of the mirror had a lot of issues. Now, if you're an incoming freshman, I feel you. Like, if you just started your freshman year, I get it, because there's something in you going, wait, this is different than middle school. This is different than elementary school. Like, what's really going on now? And, and who am I becoming? And where do I fit in? What group do I hang with in the quad or the lunch hour? If I'm playing a sport, do I really connect with the other teammates? And all those identity pieces you're wrestling with. And I was no different. In fact, Freshman Danny was really concerned, like, I didn't grow up in a stable home. I didn't have any friends. And here's, like, here's freshman Danny. I would stand in front of this mirror, okay? I would stand in front of this mirror. And on Mondays, I'd look at myself, and I had Stetsons, Wranglers, and cowboy boots on. On Tuesdays, no remember, it's 90s, right? I had, like, Jenko jeans and a flannel. I even did the mascara under the eyes, like, goth look. But then on Wednesdays, like, Eddie Bauer slacks with brown shoes and a Ralph Lowen polo, was my Wednesday. 
I didn't know who I was. I was trying to find myself, right? Now, kids, how many of you love Disney? Like, how many of you, like, have a favorite Disney movie? Big kids. I'm like, Chris, yeah, I appreciate you going big kid, have favorite Disney movies. 1994 is also the release of Lion King. Everybody's like, oh, so long ago. Do you guys remember this scene right here? You can go show the slide. Remember this scene? Mufasa had died. Simba was on a journey with Timon and Pumbaa. I'm not singing Hakuna Matata. You don't want me to do that. And all of a sudden, Rafiki shows up. The same Rafiki who did the honor and blessing in the, where Simba was like the next king, right? And Simba's in this moment where he's like, who am I? What's my life about? Rafiki shows up. Simba goes, who are you? And Rafiki's question is like, no, no, the, que- the, que- the, an- the question is, who are you? Simba really doesn't know. And Rafiki goes, well, you're Mufasa's boy. He's like, you knew my father? And Rafiki goes, no, 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 I know your father. He's alive. Let me show you. And they go darting through the jungle. And all of a sudden, there's this stop where Simba slides. Rafiki's got his hand out. And he lowers his voice. And he says, look. And Simba goes to look in the reflection of the water. And what does he see? He sees himself. And all of a sudden, Simba's like distraught. It's like, ah, I should never believe you. And he says, look harder. There's this moment where all of a sudden, Simba sees his father and himself. And you hear the voice of Mufasa and the, and the beautiful evening scene. And here's why I love that, for two reasons. 1994, freshman Danny took his brother and sister to it, and I'm bawling. Now, freshman guys cry on two, maybe three things. One, water polo football practice. Two, you just pinched your finger in your locker because you've never done a locker before. Or three, you go to Lion King. And I'm crying in the middle of this movie, and I'm trying to not let my brother and sister see this. And I'm, I'm almost sobbing at this moment because in me, I was like, no one else has ever done that to me. No one else has ever looked at me and showed me and, sh- and reminded me, this is who you are. Church, John is challenging us to step into a moment that we're reminded that our identity in Christ shapes how we live. See, I'm no different than you are today. The problem is this. When we misalign our identity, belonging, and purpose, when we misbelieve those three things, it will shape how we live. But our identity in Christ shapes how we live. See, today I can tell you when I stand in front of a mirror that my identity, the lies that sometimes mirrors show us is this. That, yep, Danny, you still got 15 pounds to lose from what COVID did you. I never had a dad growing up and I don't know if I've been a good dad. I know that I have a really strong personality and I know some people that I'm close to don't necessarily like that and I've hurt them. I know sometimes that when I really look at myself, I get worried that I'm just not good enough. And see, in Jesus, all those things can still be true, but they don't shape who I am. What shapes who I am is the fact that I'm, that I'm forgiven sinner based on the resurrection of Christ. The fact that Jesus says, no, I love you as you are. You don't have to perform for me. You don't have to become someone you're not. You just need to be you, but allow me to be your Savior and Lord. So first thought this morning is our identity in Christ shapes how we live. Jump with me to 1 John 4.13. Let's keep moving through the text. John picks it back up and he says, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Notice all this plural language. Because he has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, 
God abides in him, and he is in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love. Whoever abides in his love abides in God, and God abides in him. There's two key words there, confess and abide. See, abide is this lingering, this dwelling, this relationship with. And this confession is I'm acknowledging something to be true. When we confess in Jesus, what we confess in is his resurrection. What we confess in is our faith that he has changed our world. And see, when our identity in Christ shapes how we live, that's both individually and communally, then belonging in Jesus also shapes how we live. John is reminding a church body that when you confess with each other, that's what we did here when Isaiah led us in worship. That's what we do when we read scripture. That's what we do when we pray for one another and pray for the world. That we confess that Jesus, you change lives and we want to continue to see you change lives. In fact, our lives and the rest of the lives and we want to be part of that. And we want to dwell with you. We want to linger with you. We not only want to linger with you, we want to linger with a community that's willing to do that collectively. My freshman year math teacher, Dr. Morgan, who's our linebackers coach, walked into class. It was about a month in, and he literally looks at me. He's like, who are you? I was like, Coach Morgan, I'm Danny. He was like, no, 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 who are you? I was like, I'm Danny. I'm sitting in the same seat for last month. He was like, no, who are you? Every time I see you, you're wearing a different outfit. Who are you? And it just stopped me cold in my tracks. And I had this moment of going, I don't know. And see, when you fast forward my story into my senior year of high school, when I said yes to Jesus, that identity piece all of a sudden became super clear. I walked all through high school not having an identity. I pretended, I tried to figure it out, but I tried to fit in my way. And the beauty of Jesus is he says, no, 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 you have an identity. And when you have an identity as a communal part of a faith, we belong together. One of the greatest things church we can do to remind each other that our belonging in Christ shapes how we live is to actually belong together. Life groups, growth groups, the ability to step in and serve, the ability to look at one another and go, hey, how are you doing? And can we gather on our, our maybe our porches or our lawns? Can we check in on each other and see how we're doing? One of the greatest things of belonging together that we believe in is mobilizing one another with our gifts and talents. One of my favorite um, New Testament theologians, Cain Felder, says this, and this let's quote will be up on the screen. He says, Christ church is always a stronger witness when all believers affirm, heal, and accept the mosaic of difference among God's people. Jesus Christ inspires the church not just to tolerate difference, but to affirm the talents and gifts of each human being, and then to celebrate the rich diversity among God's people with justice and mercy for all. Church, as a whole, one of the things we've said is that we are a multi-generation church, but we are going to continue to prioritize kids and teens and young adults. And you want to know how to belong and know you belong, belonged in the church? Have someone else look at you and go, I'm glad you're here. See, our mobilization for our kids, our middle school leaders, our high school leaders, and we need kids workers, but we also need middle school small group leaders. We need young adult small group leaders just to say, look, we value you so much that we, two, three, four generations older than you, we want to invite you on hikes. We want to invite you to dinners. We want to invite you to a small group. We want you to be a part of things. We want to step aside our timeline and invest in yours. 
One of the things right now that um, our school-age child care, SAC ministry, they actually just need drivers to get kids from schools back to this campus. Now, I can tell you 21 years working with kids and teens that you'll have some interesting conversations with elementary and middle school kids every single day driving them. You also learn how to get gum off some really unique uh, 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 surfaces. But when you show up every day in the life of a kid or a teen, you know what they do? They begin to trust. They begin to allow you to speak truth into their life. You can actually remind them of their identity in Christ and our identity in Christ together. You can remind them that they belong because we are going to be a church that wants kids and teens to belong. See, our identity in Christ shapes how we live. Our belonging in Christ shapes how we live. And let's look at the last thought, which is purpose. I'd love for you to take, um, just jump some verses down to uh, verse 19. Chapter 4, still verse 19. John says this, We love because he first loved us. It's about the fourth time it's repeated in this part of the letter. We love because he first loved us. See, when I'm loved, I know what that's like. When I'm loved unconditionally by friends, family, dear people close to me, I know what that's like. I know what that does to me. And see, when Christ loved us first, as we are, not as we should be, we ought to love back. When we've experienced that, we now have a command. We have a calling. We have a clear purpose. Like, what is your day about? It's about loving others. And sometimes within a church body, within unique circumstances and unique seasons, it is easier to love people outside than inside. And sometimes it's easier to love inside than outside. And usually that's when we live for I. When we live for we, then we look at the people across from us in pews, across from us generation, across from us racially, across from us ethnically, and we go, hey, I'm going to love you because you're worth loving. See, Jesus called me and said, I love you, so therefore I have love to give. When we think about purpose in our lives, it's this, to love. Things that Christians should be known for is their love. Not their opinions on Facebook. Not the car they drive or don't drive. Not their favorite choice of restaurants. Not their job title. Not their thoughts on vaccines. Not their nationality, not where they live, not what zip code they prefer to live in. See, as a body of believers, we are called to love one another. And that's messy. But when we belong together, and we know we have safety in that and security in our belonging because our identity is in Jesus, and that's the only thing that shapes us, then it's actually easy to say, hey, look, I genuinely love you. Judgment rarely, if ever, leads to life change. But loving changes our lives daily. Judgment rarely leads to life change. So thinking about today and thinking about our body and thinking about where we're at, I want to give you just a couple thoughts. You can take pictures, write them down on your phone. When maybe you're wrestling with, hey, where is my identity? Is my identity really in Christ? Can I give you my breath prayer? And, and I don't mean this flippantly. I, I try to breathe this prayer out loud in front of a mirror or before my feet hit the floor when I'm laying in bed in the morning. And it says, today, Jesus, my identity's in you. Today, Jesus, my identity's in you. 
In the evenings, I sometimes try to think, hey, how did I do at that? Did I really let my identity be shaped by, by Jesus or by what someone else said? Or an action I messed up on? So if you're wrestling with identity and high school, middle school students, um, this is a daily wrestle for you. We've got your back because we want to remind you that your identity is in Christ. Those of you that are getting ready to ship off to college in the whole new fall season and living with new people, your identity is in Christ, not in your roommate. For those of you that are wrestling with belonging, uh, welcome home, PCC. We say that for a reason. You belong here, and we want you to belong. We want you to belong in a life group, a growth group. We want you to be known and valued by name. But we can't do that unless you risk. Last week, Brian challenged us about the lies we sometimes believe about yourself. And if you are believing a lie that you are not worthy, you're not lovable, that no one will like you, that you won't be accepted, can you just do me a favor and kick that lie back to hell? Because you are worthy, you are lovely, you are valuable. We want to know you. You belong here. And we want you here. So maybe if you're wrestling with belonging, can you allow this community to say, yeah, we, we're in this with you. And for those of you who may be wrestling with purpose, can you just maybe start here? Whom can you love today? That love may be looking in on someone who, you know, knows there's some family dynamics going on and you just want to be a listening ear and encouragement. Maybe it is reaching out to a brand new freshman in college or brand new freshman in high school or a brand new sixth grader or seventh grader walking on campus for the first time and just going, hey, how are you doing with all that? It may be reaching out to someone that you know has been having, carrying something that's really weighty and just go, I want you to remind you that I love you and you've got someone who's for you. When our identity, belonging, and purpose is shaped by Jesus, it shapes how we live. I don't know about you, but when I look in a mirror, I still wrestle with what I see. But when I have people in my life that remind me of who I am in Christ, that I belong to a faith community and my purpose, that I can love people genuinely, and that's actually part of the, one of the most significant parts of the gospel, folks, my days get better. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pause. I'm going to give us some moments of silence. And then I'm going to pray, and Isaiah's going to follow up with a song. But I just want to give you moments just to process and think. If you're writing something, keep writing. If you're taking a picture, keep taking a picture. But just for the sake of our community, just close your eyes, pause, just sit. Jesus, we know this, that you are God and we are not. And we're thankful for your grace and mercy that we don't have to do anything other than just be present with you. So by your spirit and by your love, you just remind us today that what you call us to and what you're doing and what you're, how you're moving, God, it's all part of your story. So may we sit knowing that we are beloved, that we are divinely loved, that we belong together in this community and that our purpose is to love one another. Lord, may we never overlook the fact that when you changed the value system of the world, God, there's still truth in that for us today. Holy Spirit, thanks for moving. 
Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.